There are times in life where we go with the flow. This morning is going to be one of those times. I was planning to speak on a healthy church. I will pick up on that next Sunday. And if I did speak on that, we'd probably be here far beyond closing time. So we'll pick up on some things that Arden had shared, still using the same illustrations that I was going to use. We have a plant to my left, which obviously has taken the hit of a frost a number of times. And we know that the plant is, for all practical purposes, dead. On the right-hand side, we have a plant, your left, my right, on your left-hand side, we have a plant that seems to be thriving because it's been setting inside the doors and it's been spared the cold. It's been protected from the cold. And I would like for you to think about those who have gone before and have taken time to invest in life. And because of that, there are guys like Arden and Jerry and Stanley and other people that I can mention, you know, those of you wearing flowers. There's believers that are strong. There's men and there's women that are being godly in spite of struggles in the past. And then there's other people that just seem to be struggling and they don't seem to make any headway because they did not have anyone to invest in their life. They did not have people pouring into their life over the years. And it shows. We can all look at our past. We can all see difficulties. We can all say, this hurt, this hurt, this hurt. But it's not what happened that makes us. It's how we respond to what happens that molds us. And as we discussed the last couple of weeks, Christ alone, Christ at work in our lives and others pouring into our lives so that we can be a healthy plant rather than one that is not doing well. And I think all of us can look in our past and say, there's some people that poured into my life. May have been spiritually, may have been just how to be a man or how to be a woman. It may have been how to respond in school, how to study, and so on. I would invite you to take your Bibles and go to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Joshua was basically a healthy plant. He had struggles and he had difficulties along the way because God had poured into his life. Moses had poured into his life over the years. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, we find that the children of Israel have wandered in the desert some 40 years. They've been under the leadership of Moses. Moses is about to pass off the scene. He is not going to go into the promised land. And the reason he is not going to go into the promised land is because on one occasion, in his anger, he struck the rock rather than speaking to the rock. And he did not uphold God as holy before the nation of Israel. And he did not go into the promised land as a result. And I read that passage and I still quicken my shoes many times and say, Lord, I'm a pastor. How am I shepherding? Am I leading well? 
But nevertheless, Moses is coming to the end of his life, still in good health, but nevertheless going to die. And in chapter 31, then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I'm now 120 years old, and I no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Shiho and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them as I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this this people into the land the Lord swore to your forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then we know that the reading of the Mosaic Law took place and so on. But here's an older man, Moses, giving instruction to a younger man, Joshua, and saying, be strong, be courageous, lead well. He's saying to Israel, Joshua will go before you. What's he doing? He's providing a good plant for the nation of Israel. He didn't say to Joshua, he didn't say to Israel, you're a jerk of a leader. You'll never make it. You'll never amount to a hill of beans. Lead. He didn't say it. He could have said it. I poured many years into you, Joshua. He did. Joshua carried on and died, having been faithful as an older man. Go over to Joshua chapter 24. When we get to Joshua chapter 24, we find that a number of years have passed. Israelites have gone into the promised land. They have conquered. They have not conquered at all, but Joshua has fulfilled his role and his responsibility. And Joshua is coming to the end of his life, the end of his ministry, the end of his leadership. And he again is preparing Israel to be a healthy plant rather than one that is basically dead and not doing well at all. And in chapter 23 and chapter 24, he exhorts them to be faithful. Pick up with chapter 24 and verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt 
and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then we find that the people respond and say that they will serve the Lord. What is Joshua doing? Joshua is saying, Israel, be faithful. They needed to hear that. We know that as you look at the book of Judges, that Joshua remained faithful to his death. And that generation of Joshua remained faithful and then things began to go in opposite direction because someone did not pass the mantle on. Let's go over to the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and I'll begin reading with verse 1. Titus, the book being written to Titus from Paul, and Paul giving Titus some directions on how to lead in the island of Crete as he left him there to straighten some things out to appoint elders. And he says in chapter 2 and verse 1, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. That is Paul saying to Timothy, teach older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and be and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their, to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled, and everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed, because they have nothing bad to say about you. Paul tells Titus to teach older men. Teach them to be temperate. Worthy respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, and love and endurance. Then he says, teach older women to be reverent in the way they live, not slanders, addicted to much wine, and so on. And what's his intent? The older guys, the older gals, teach the younger guys and the younger gals how to live. Rather than leaving them out in the cold with no shelter, with no guidance, with nothing to protect them, no direction in life. He's saying, teach them how to live. And he points out specific things. Sound in the earth, to be temperate, to be worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and endurance for the women, reverent in the way they live, not slanders, not addicted to much wine, teaching what is good, love their husbands, to be self-controlled, busy at home, to be kind, subject to their husbands. We leave a legacy 
we impact others. And as we think about life, we think about our country, we think about our church, we think about our family, God's desire is not to leave people out in the cold. With no direction, with no warmth, with no guidance. But to take people who have been scarred by life, scarred by what may have happened in their past, those who have gone through life well and become proud and haughty, but to teach them to be self-controlled, to be temperate, to love their husbands, and so on, depending on who it is. So that they can be a healthy person. This week, for a number of reasons, I was challenged to think about some young men that have experienced the ministry of our church. And some of those young men seem to be a little more to your right, don't seem to be doing well, and some of them seem to be doing very well. And a major factor in all of their lives was that some older men, I'm talking guys that didn't have a father who cared and loved them, poured into their life. I can name names of people here this morning that poured into their lives. Doing, some of them doing pretty well. Some may be struggling, but still open and responsive. I could do the same with some young gals that have gone through the ministry of this church over the years, where people poured into their lives. And without that happening, they would be over here as basically a dead plant. They came to faith in Christ. They came to understand that someone loved them and cared for them and accepted them in spite of the difficulty and the scars and all that they've been through and just continued to love and care and pour into their life. Jesus poured into the life of 11 men. We know that Judas betrayed him. And they were present on the day of Pentecost. Spent ye three years with them, pouring into their life. What we might say are the low caste of society, but just poured into their life. They came to faith in Christ. They followed Christ for who he was, not merely because of what he did. You take a guy like Peter, a fisherman, common, ordinary guy, along with other fishermen, a tax collector, who was rejected by society. Jesus poured into their life. Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost, along with 11 other men, but Peter was the primary speaker. Those men scattered throughout the world and poured into the lives of others and people came to Christ because someone invested in them. Arden shared earlier about some older men in our church that poured into some young guys' lives. It breaks my heart sometimes when I hear people say 
about the direction our country is going, and I'm not debating that. And they may bemoan, well, this is the way young people are today. I'm not debating one way or the other. That's not my point. My point is, God has entrusted us to live in the time period that we do today. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He has not changed. Christ took 11 men and they were changed because of him. He can take men and women today and change them because of Christ and our investing in our lives. And he will do the same in the future. So my challenge to you is, in light of history and people pouring into your life, who has God brought into your life? As someone that is younger, maybe they're 40, maybe they're 30, maybe they're 20, maybe they're 10, that you can pour your life into. You can pray for them and care for them, point them to Christ, and invite them to Christ alone and help them to live well. Our world is messed up. I'm not debating that. It has been since Adam and Eve chose to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But Moses poured into a Joshua. Joshua poured into some leaders. Paul poured into Titus. He poured into Timothy. Not that we pour our lice into people and people don't have struggles. But they're loved and they're cared for. There are certain people who had not poured into my life with grace, with humility. I'm pretty sure today, and Ruth Ann would agree, that I would be a proud, haughty, cocky, arrogant husband who would have no wife because Ruth Ann probably would not have survived that. I lived with Ruth Ann almost 46 years. I know her a little bit. <laughs> she could not have taken Dan Brubaker the way he was at 18 and 19. So some man came along and said to me, Dan, you have a good background. Your parents did excellent training but you're pretty proud. You're pretty haughty. That knocked one chip off the shoulder. And others came along and pointed me in the correct direction. I came here to pastor, wet behind the ears, just desiring to please God and honor Him. And there's a couple older pastors, one in particular came alongside me and just said, anything that I can do to help you, let me know. Serve me well. Something that I rarely talk about. I don't even make it an issue, just something that I've chosen to do. Because of someone pouring into my life and helping me early in my ministry as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor, I've chosen that when a young man 
or a new guy, whether he's younger or not, but usually when they're younger, moves into the greater Wyoming Valley as a pastor. I'll give him a call and say, can we have lunch? I'll pray for you. I'll care for you. Need anything? Give me a call. Willing to talk to you. I don't have all the answers, but I can lead you to the one that will give you guidance on how to live and how to respond. Arden referred to, again, some older men that built into life. As a body of believers, as we want to be a healthy church, I didn't say a struggle-free church, I said a healthy church, rather than one that is dead. We pour our lives into others. And that means for those of you who are older, and I'm not giving an age category, find someone younger. Pour into their life. Pray for them. Care for them. Encourage them. Spur them on when they're doing well. Confront them when they do wrong. And those of you who are younger, who have someone older that is willing to pour into your life, be open, receptive, hear what is said. Don't close them off. And don't think, I know better. Be humble and broken and say, teach me. And when you're wrong, admit it. Whether you're 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 or 25. So that you can be healthy. So I swallowed my pride when an older guy said to me, Dan, you're a double-minded man. I walked away angry at the guy. But it didn't take too long where I said, the guy's right. But I needed another older man to say to me, Dan, as you taught Sunday school and as you're leading in the church here in Tennessee, you're doing well. I needed to hear that also. (coughs) Along with a host of things I've received over the years, I save every encouragement card I get and every letter of blessing I get because I need them to keep me on track. But also hear rebuke that comes in my way and still comes in my way at this stage in life. We want to be a healthy church. We pour into people. We want to be the church that is, on the other hand, not doing well. Then we withdraw and build a wall around ourselves. We are God's people. Let's allow God to continue to use us as we sing together. Travis?